I want to thank uh, God for Pastors Amy and Dean for opening this door for me, allowing me to stand here. I don't take it lightly when I stand before the people of God. My prayer is always, Lord, I don't want to stand before the people of God empty, but I want to stand before the people of God full. I want to feed you from what God has given me. I want you to eat the bread from heaven until you want no more. And then I want your cup overflowing so those around you can be blessed. Amen. Um, I want to thank my uh, husband and my children. My husband, wave your hand, and my daughter. Yeah. Thank God for them for their unwavering support and encouragement. I know when we first got married, um, we had our children. I felt like back to back to back. It was like I felt like I was always pregnant. And he was like, why aren't you ready? Why aren't you ready? I'm like, it's like moving a big ship trying to get kids ready, hair combed. It was just, you know, he, he's come into a lot more understanding now. So uh, I thank God for them. Uh, I want to also tell you about a Bible study I just uh, completed, Eve, the importance of a woman and her voice. You know, many of us uh, know Eve, and we associate negative um, things uh, with Eve, because we think about her being, you know, the first woman who ate the fruit and, you know, we fell into sin, humanity fell into uh, sin. But how many of you know the uh, road less traveled is hard to walk? She was the first woman. She had to do it, you know, without a model, without a template. And I wrote this study because God began to show me through Eve's life uh, why he created woman. And do you know, the Bible said, it was not good for man to be alone, and he made woman. So a woman was created for good, to do good, and to be good, to look good, to live good, because it was not good on earth without her. So I wrote this study, and if you're uh, interested in learning more about that, uh, it will be available to you if you want to purchase it right after the service. Amen? Uh, I also want to thank, I want to thank my uh, own mother this uh, morning. My mom... Uh, mother left her when she was nine years old. And I thank God that my mother stayed. And I tell people I didn't have a perfect mother, but I had the perfect mother for me. Amen. No mother is perfect. No mother is perfect. So uh, I'm not a perfect mother and you don't have to be, but you, you have to persevere if you are going to be a mother. Amen. You got to learn how to take a licking and keep on ticking. You got to be ready. You got to be steady if you're going to occupy the position of a mother. Amen. Now I want to say happy Mother's Day to all mothers in the house. Happy Mother's Day to you, to all grandmothers, godmothers, foster mothers, adopted mothers, stepmothers, and mothers-in-law. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. We thank God for you. You know, it's been said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and the majority of those hands are mother's hands. Amen. And I want to uh, say Happy Mother's Day to those of you who have mothers who've passed away. They've gone on. But I want to let you know your mother still lives through you. She still gives through you. She still speaks through you. So you need to know uh, that spirits are eternal. They never die. So 
she still lives through you. Amen? And then there's some under my voice. Um, your relationship with your mother just has not been good, you know, and we have relationships like that. It isn't good. It hasn't been good. And you have a lot of mother wounds. But do you know, my Bible tells me that if your mother or your father forsake you, the Lord will take you up. God knows how to send surrogate mothers into your life. He knows how to send people who will step right in to support you and encourage you. And they will be to you a mother in the times of need. Amen. And then I want to encourage those of you who want to have kids and you just haven't been able to. Do you know we serve a God who can make the empty womb fertile? He can bring life. So I want to encourage you, help an existing child until, until God blesses you. If you step in where a child needs help, I just believe that God will see your work. He will see your effort and he will bless you accordingly. Amen. All right. You guys ready for the word this morning? All right. I'm going to be, uh, yeah, give, give a hand clap for the word of God. It is nothing like the word of God. The Bible says the word of God is living and is active. Do you know it is the only book that you open up, that you read, it begins to read you, it begins to talk back to you. I love the word of God. When Jesus got ready to defeat the devil, he just used, look, three scriptures from the word of God. And he knocked them out. So we, this is exciting times. I believe God himself, when we get ready to minister the word of God, he looks over heaven and he holds his ear down because he wants to see if we're going to rightly divide his word. So I'm excited to do that. The title of my message today is The Positive Difference a Mother Makes. The Positive Difference a Mother Makes. Amen? Now, if you have your traditional Bibles, your smart uh, Bibles, get them out because I am a pastor who believes in uh, staying in the word of God. We want to rightly divide it because it's not about what I say. It's not about what I think, but it's about what thus said the Lord. That's where the healing is. That's where the deliverance is. That's where the freedom is. And I want you to be healed, delivered, and set free today. Amen. So look with me to Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And we're going to be talking about the positive difference a mother makes. When you have it, say amen. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version, but feel free to read from the message, the uh, English Standard Version, whatever version uh, floats your boat. Uh, they're really similar when it comes to this passage. Now, this passage also can be found in Mark chapter 7, and I want to say this to you. As I study the Bible, when you find stories in the Bible that are in multiple places in the Bible, it is very important that you read uh, both uh, chapters and verses where the story is found because it gives you the entire perspective of the story, right? Because Matthew will tell you his perspective and then Mark will tell you something that Matthew didn't tell you. So I get a complete picture of the story. Amen? So look at verse 21. It says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Zidon. Now, the Bible does not put any words or phrases in it without significance. Nothing is accidental. Nothing is coincident. So this particular verse has a backstory to it. And I need to tell you a little bit about Tyre and Sidon. There are cities in the country of Phoenicia. Phoenicia is a coastal region 
a coastal region is a country that is on the sea. And this, uh, this country and these cities have a lot of economic um, substantial uh, wealth in them because they're by the sea. So the ships come in and they do a lot of trading, okay? And I also need you to understand that uh, Jezebel is from the uh, city, cities of Tyre and Zidon. How many of you know who Jezebel is? All right, let me tell you a little bit about her because a lot of hands didn't go up. Jezebel is the archetype of a wicked woman. She is the wickedest woman in the Bible. Now, what makes Jezebel so wicked? She marries King Ahab. King Ahab is a king of Israel. Israel serves the one true living God, Jehovah. They don't serve gods made out of wood, hay, and stubble. They don't have all of these gods like the Egyptians have. You know, the Egyptians' godhead was like the pyramids uh, that they built. They had, you know, the sun god, Ra, and all the other god structures. So Jezebel marries Ahab, who is a Jewish king, and she causes the whole nation of Israel to worship Baal, to worship Baal. They begin to bow down and worship this idolatrous uh, God. And you know, like I do, idols have eyes that can't see. They have hands that can't feel. They have hearts that can't feel. And she turns the whole nation of Israel into idolatrous worship. And not only does she do that, she has the prophets of God on the run and she kills all of them. So it's a lot of bad blood between uh, the Zidonians and the Jewish people because of the wickedness that went on under uh, Jezebel and Ahab's res uh, regime. All right, so you guys got the backstory. Amen? It's okay to talk back to me. Verse 22, let's read it. It says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. So the Bible is telling us a woman comes from the same place of Tyre and Zidon. She comes from the same place that Jezebel comes from. And look at what she does. She cries unto Jesus saying, have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. So the same woman that comes from the same place that Jezebel comes from, she is crying out to Jesus and she is saying, have mercy. Can I tell you what mercy is? Mercy is an undeserved pardon. It means that you deserve punishment, but you're asking for a pardon. How many of you have ever needed mercy? Amen. How many of you are so glad that God's mercies are new every morning? Ooh, hallelujah. Every morning. We get fresh mercies every morning because we are going to do something, say something, that we have no business doing or saying, so we need mercy. And she's asking Jesus for mercy. She said, she said, because my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But before we get there, look at what she says. She addresses him in his deity. She addresses him in his dignity and his divine uh, divinity. She recognizes, even though she's from this idolatrous nation, she said, you're Lord. You're the son of David. So she's posturing herself in the proper way to get her request made. You see that? And she said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, she didn't tell us what her daughter is doing, but we can kind of imagine, right? Because if you're Bible readers, let's 
let's talk a little bit about what does demonic oppression look like? Well, the Bible tells us that there was a father who, whose son was a lunatic, and he brought them to the base of the mountain to Jesus' disciple. And he said, my son is a lunatic. Luna has to do with the moon, meaning every time the moon changes, his son changes, like a split personality, right? He said, oftentimes my son tries to throw himself in the water. He tries to drown himself. Then he said, oftentimes he tries to throw himself in the fire. He tries to burn himself up. So we see that demonic oppression looks a lot like suicide ideation, committing suicide. So that can be a sign of demonic oppression. How many of you remember the wild man of Gadara? He was the man that Jesus healed. Jesus asked him, what is your name? He said, legion, for we are many. In other words, there's many demons that live inside of me. And the Bible said he would walk through the tombs and he would strip himself naked and then he would cut himself. And then it says fetters. Fetters are those stocks that they would bring uh, slaves over on. And it says the fetters could not bind him. He had supernatural strength. So we see demonic oppression can take the form of stripping, naked, cutting yourself, torturing yourself, suicidal ideation. She didn't tell us, but we do know this. She said, my daughter is grievously vexed. In other words, she's not pretentious. She's not phony. She's not fake. You know, sometimes we say, well, my daughter is kind of going through a little problem. You know, those little teenage years, she's just having some issues right now. This mother said, my daughter is crazy. <laughs> and I need some help. She was like, I don't know if her head was turning all the way around, but she said, I need some help. So she was a mother with a heavy heart, right? She was a mother with a heavy heart. And she begins to ask and seek Jesus out. And we know this because when you read the account in Mark's uh, chapter, he tells us that Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon to rest, to hide himself. But how many of you know when you're healing, delivering, and setting free, the word gets out? And it's no hiding for Jesus because people are going to come find you because Jesus is the answer to everybody's problem. Yeah, so she, she found him out and she said, I need you. All right, look at verse uh, 23. You're hanging with me, right? All right, it says, but he answered her not a word. Now, this woman has laid her, her heart She's vulnerable. She's transparent. And Jesus ignores her. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone ignores me, it is offensive. How many of you have ever been ignored before? And you're like, I know they hear me. Why aren't they answering me? Literally, Jesus ignores the woman. He ignores her. I believe he didn't answer her a word because he knew her history. I just told you a little bit about it. He ignores her and hopes she will go away, but not this woman, not this woman. She does not go away. Uh, and basically, when you ignore someone, you make them feel less than, don't you? You make them feel inferior. And so that's how she's feeling. Uh, and I want you to see the second part of 23. It says, he answered her not a word. And it says, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. She said, Jesus, you can ignore me. She said, but I got a strategy. I'm going to go to the next best thing. If you ignore me, I'm going to go to your team. Peter, 
James, John, Bartholomew, my daughter is vexed at home with a devil and I need a breakthrough. She was like, he won't answer me, but I'm going to turn to his entourage. Because, you know, Jesus rolled deep, didn't he? <laughs> it wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus and his crew. And so this woman said, if I can't get him one way, I'm going to try to get him another way. Look at her strategy. Look how she positioned herself. She's teaching us as mothers what we need to do. We can't get to a block in the road and say, well, I guess it wasn't meant for me. Mm-mm. She said, I've got a daughter at home vexed with a devil. My baby girl that used to be sweet, loving, and kind. She's unrecognizable now. The devil is torturing her. He's tormenting her. And my baby girl is a shell of herself. And as long as there's breath in my body, I'm going to do everything that I need to do as her mother to make sure that she's free. I thank God for this mother. And I want to tell you that this woman makes her request to a group of predominantly Jewish men. The group she was requesting help from was male-dominated. They were ethnocentric. She was considered culturally inferior, and she was considered gender inferior. They were considered culturally superior. They were considered gender superior because they were men. But she didn't allow her gender, her culture, or her status in society to keep her from getting her yes and her amen. Do you know that every promise of God is yes and amen? I don't know how this woman knew that, but she knew it. She said, you guys may be men. She said, but you know what? I'm posturing myself. I'm positioning myself, and I'm going to get what's mine. All right. Now, this would be equivalent to a Hindu, an Indian Hindu woman or an Asian Buddhist woman or an African Muslim woman requesting a Jewish rabbi and his Jewish disciples to heal and to deliver their child from demonic oppression. And how many of you know the Jews consider Gentiles heathens? They considered them heathens. But this woman said, look, I don't care who I've got to ask what. <laughs> I need a healing. I need a breakthrough. I need deliverance for my child, for my family. And I love this woman because she was transparent. She was authentic and she was realistic. I believe she tried her religion and her gods with no improvement. She was willing to go outside her country, outside her kindred, outside her culture, and outside her comfort zone to get real results. I believe she brought her daughter, Belle, and Belle couldn't heal her daughter. Belle couldn't deliver her daughter. Belle couldn't set her daughter free. So she said, I'm going to the man who has the plan who can heal my daughter for me. Amen? Oh. Let's look at verse 24. I think that's where we are. It says, but he answered and said, I am not sent, but into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So after the disciples say, send her away, remember, they say, send her away. She cries after us. These holy, righteous men that are supposed to be walking in the power of God, get her away from us. They are not acting like they're supposed to act. So Jesus finally answers her, but he answers her because the disciples, the disciples tell him to answer her. So her strategy works. But look at his answer. He said, I'm not sent to you, but I'm sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I did not come for you. I did not come for the Gentiles, the heathens, the Zidonians. 
He said, I came for Abraham's seed, Isaac and Jacob's. And that's not you. Whew. That's tough, isn't it? So when he finally answers her, he stops ignoring her. The disciples are not frustrated with her. Jesus said, no. <laughs> no. No, I'm not going to have mercy. I'm not going to have mercy. And I don't know about you. I think that would have just really, really discouraged me. Because I would have said, well, he already ignored me. Then his disciples are frustrated with me. I've tried everything that I'm supposed to do. But not this mother. Not this woman. She's going to teach us what to do. Look at verse 25. It says, then came she and worshipped. Oh, my God. If you're reading this in the English Standard Version, it says she bowed herself. Oh, she got on her knees. Now, look at that. I didn't come for you. And she said, but I'm coming for you. She said, you didn't come for me, Jesus, but I'm coming for you. She worships him. She worships him. She used worship as a weapon. That word worship comes from the uh, root word worth. How much is something worth to you? You know, you'll pull out your pocketbook and take money out if it's worth, if it's worth it for you, won't you? This woman said, I'm pulling out all the stops. She said, I know you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And she said, I know every knee going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. I'm going to get on my knees right now. I'm going to confess right now that you are Lord. I'm going to worship you. And when I was a little girl, they used to sing this song. They said, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. It's something about when you worship God. It creates an innocence, a cadence, a confidence that can't be taken away from you. And this mother understood that. So she commences to worship God. And it unlocks something. You know, the Bible tells us, too, to ask, to seek, and to knock. So she's asking. So every time Jesus says no by ignoring her, every time Jesus says no when the disciples are frustrated with her, every time Jesus says no when he says, I didn't come for you, she keeps asking. <laughs> she keeps seeking. She keeps knocking. She said, because it belongs to me, and I'm going to get the healing for my baby. Amen? All right. And I love how she did not allow isolation, frustration, contemplation to stop her, but she kept right on pressing in and leaning in and tuning in and listening in. And sometimes as a woman, you know what you know, and you got to do what you got to do. She said, my house is on fire, so I can't afford to take a no from you. <laughs> I can only afford to take my yes and my amen. Let's look at verse 26, right? Remember, she's, she's bowing down and she's worshiping him now. Look at what he does. Look at verse 26. But he answered and said, it is not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Ooh, Jesus, did you call that woman a dog? No, you did not call that woman a dog. Oh, my goodness. I want to put this in context for you because these are some hard 
These are some hard scriptures. And I don't think we should back away from hard scriptures in the Bible. I think we should lean in and ask God, give me revelation so I can understand what you're saying. He's not trying to be offensive. He's not trying to be unflattering. He's not trying to be disheartening. He said, I came for my own. And the Bible tells us that Jesus died so that the blessings of Abraham may come upon the Egyptians. He said, I haven't died yet. So you're, you're not positioned for the blessing of Abraham yet. But this woman knew that Jesus makes the rules so he can break the rules. She understood, you don't have to die to give me the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She understood this. And so he calls her a dog. But how many of you read the scripture where it says, he made us a little lower than angels, but he made us higher than four-footed beasts? Four-footed beasts would be a dog or a cat. Their behavior, remember I explained to you, Jezebel, their behavior was like that of dogs the way they sacrificed to their idols, what they did sexually, what they did morally. It was like dogs. So that is where that is coming from. Amen? Now, what Jesus said was unflattering. It was offensive and it was insulting. And I think I would have been like, okay. <laughs> he has said no to me. He's ignored me. His disciples are frustrated with me. He said he didn't come for me. I can get the clue. I can get the clue. And I think I'm just going to go home and I'm going to tuck my tail between my legs and say, I thought, what more could I do? But not this mother. Let's look. Let's look. Look at verse 27. And she said, truth, Lord. Ooh, look at what she says. True, I may be a dog. The things I've done in my past, I'm not proud of. The gods I worship and I served and I bow down to, I am not proud of. I may be a dog. What you say may be true. But she said the dogs can eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. You know what she's saying? If you read the beginning of this chapter, if you start in verse 1, Matthew 15, we started in 21, you'll see that Jesus came to his own, the scribes and the Pharisees. And all they are doing is criticizing him, finding fault with him, complaining. She said, you are giving your children the bread, but they're rejecting it. They're taking the loaf and they're throwing it on the ground. She said, Lord, I don't even need a slice. All I need is a crumb of healing, a crumb of forgiveness, a crumb of deliverance. And Lord, I may be a dog. She said, but I am recognizing you and your deity and your divinity and your integrity. Don't you have a crown for me? Ooh, I thank God. And look how she humbled herself. She humbled herself. How many of you know humility is sensibility? When you're puffed up and prideful, the Bible says that God resists the prideful, but he gives grace to the humble. This woman humbled herself. She said, Jesus, you're going to double down on your no? I'm going to double down on my praise. I'm going to double down on my worship. She said, I'm going to meet you tit for tat. Because she understood no rock was going to crowd for her. She had dealt with the fake and the phony. She knew what was not real. She said, he's the real deal. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And this time, this time, 
I've met the real God, and I'm not going to allow him to get away from me. I praise God for her story. I praise God for her story. Look at verse 28. It says, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, Oh, woman. <laughs> oh, woman. Great is thy faith. I believe this woman. I, I believe she said, Jesus said, I've never seen it like this before. He said, everything that I tried to do to deter you, everything that I said to turn you around, he said, you wouldn't back down. He said, oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as you have requested. Now, I don't know about you. She just showed us how to get what we need. You don't take no for an answer when your baby is lying Disease and sick and frustrated. You don't take no for an answer. You don't have time to take no for an answer. Oh, I tell you, I could go on. I want to say this. Let me just say this because I got to wrap up. He didn't have to touch her daughter. He didn't have to see her daughter. And he didn't have to meet her daughter. All he had to do was speak the word. And the Bible says that her daughter was healed from that very hour. The former demon-possessed daughter was now free, not because the disciples were so loving and kind. Remember, they said, get her away from me. Not because Jesus wanted to heal her. He said, it is not right to take the children's bread. Do you know this woman made Jesus do what he said it wasn't right to do? He said, it's not right to heal her. Jesus said, but you know what? I got to turn your healing loose. I got to do what it's not right to do because you wouldn't let me go until I bless you. Isn't that good news? This was a mother who was relentless, tenacious, audacious, bodacious, and seeking his face. And you need to look no different, no uh, farther than this scripture to know the positive difference a mother makes. Amen? Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.